as to where you can go in your own, in your own house or in your own parents' house. God has given us that favor and that opportunity to be part of his family. And not just part of the family as a servant or whatever, but as a son or as a daughter, you've got a right and access to everything in this particular house. Praise God. And that's what he wants and he desires of us. Even as we've been studying that particular series of the saint ones, remember always, as a saint one from God, you have got a right and you've got access to every corner to every facility, to everything that is available that the Father wants to be able, you know, he wants you to fulfill your purpose, he wants you to fulfill your calling, he wants you to use your giftings to 100%, not just a small bit, because none of us is insignificant in the house of God. Praise God. So I want you to look at yourself, even as you meditate on the fact that I am the sent one. Think of yourself that I am the one whom he has sent. Don't look across at your brother or your sister. Count yourself that he is counting on me. Don't say he's counting on that one. He's counting on that one. He is counting on you and he is counting on me. And as he does that counting and that particular calling, I want you to ask yourself, am I really available? Am I one of those ones whom really, can he really be proud of me and say that I am counting on so and so? Just remember, as we, we enter into the word of God today, remember Job, when the enemy appeared before, before God and he went, you know, he, he managed to sneak in somehow. And as he walked by, in the midst of the sons of God, God asked him, God picked him out. Because he must have had a different garment. He picked him and asked him, Oh, Satan, how come? Have, have you seen my servant? Have you seen, or rather, what have you been doing? Or what have you been up to? He tells God, I've been going up and down in the earth. He's a Roma, he's a wanderer. He doesn't have any particular settled place where he can be able to stay. That's the reason why don't be in league with him. Because he has got no permanent place where he can stay. He is alive. He will tell you I'm here when he knows he, he, he doesn't belong to that particular place. When you hold on to his word, you are in for a big deal. You'll discover I was duped, you know, and it is too late. He will already have gone on the other side and he's already laughing at you. So always be on guard as you move along. Praise God. Amen. Just before I, go, I, go, I, I continue, David and Ruth have been away. I would like David to stand up and wave to us. We have missed your voice. We have missed your hand. Come on, stand up and let us. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Maybe you have a word to say. Maybe you have a word to, to tell the congregation. You have had a nice time in America. We have been here. Come on, stand up and say something. Maybe you might have something in your heart that you want to bless the children of God with. Just, just speak out. Feel free in Jesus' name. We've been uh, spending three weeks in Virginia, and those of that you know the area, it's in the uh, southern, really southern Baptist belt, or Bible belt there. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. I'll do the one behind. Okay. <coughs> yeah, we were in the uh, southern part of uh, America, the Baptist belt, but they are known for their southern hospitality. Uh, and so there was a lot of eating and, and uh, drinking 
and uh, it's really glorious. I was speaking to one of the best men at my son's wedding, and he was really overwhelmed by the fact that uh, the Bible and Jesus has a lot to say about people eating and drinking and God. Jesus loved to be with families, loved to be in people's homes where there was uh, fellowship and there was food going together. So it was a, a, a lovely time there. And those of you who know that America, they don't do their portions of food small. <laughs> um, we're just wondering whether in fact we can still put on our wedding outfits, etc. I understand the bride panicked after returning home whether she was going to get into a bridal groom. The best man, or one of, not the best man, one of the groomsmen that was with myself and my son, my older son, who were a groomsman there, uh, put on his, I think they call them pants, rather than trousers. I had to get used to wearing trousers, uh, uh, pants and vests when I was over there. <laughs> but um, yeah, his trousers were very tight. And so he was wandering around like John, John Wayne there. Uh, but the weather was, was a mixture. We had a lovely time. We traveled, we saw the beautiful countryside there. The weather was a mixture. Uh, there we had rain and showers, and the day, the day that we left, there was a really heavy uh, thunderstorm there, and uh, the city was in danger of being flooded. Uh, a dam was, uh, was just about overflowing if it burst. Uh, I understand that 17 feet of water would have gone over uh, the city. Uh, but God shows us with blessings, and the blessings that he gives us are Amen. good blessings, Amen. not dangerous blessings. And we thank God for the showers of blessing that he uh, had upon us, and for the refreshing time, and for the lovely company, for the lovely welcome, and for the celebration uh, of being with uh, my son and his new wife. I've got to get used to be called a father-in-law, now it's something that's never struck me before. I'm now a father-in-law, never thought of it quite like that. But God is, um, God is all about the marriage feast. We're looking forward to the marriage feast of the Lamb in heaven. We're looking forward to that party. We're looking forward to that celebration of the Lamb. And, and the celebration that we had with my son and uh, my new daughter-in-law was just a part of that wonderful celebration that God's got for us. So we look forward to the celebration of the marriage feast of the Lamb in heaven. We bless you and thank you for your prayers. We found the most helpful, uh, watching over us in the driving on the wrong side of the road. Uh, <laughs> over there. Uh, certainly on one occasion, the sat-nav told me to go up a road, which I duly did, only to find that it was a one-way street and there was a car coming the other way in the middle of the night. I should have gone on another hundred yards before I turned, so we thank you for your prayers. Anyway. Bless you. Amen. 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 God bless you. Amen. All right, and then before we enter also into the word, I will welcome Esther. She has a poem that she would like to be able to bless the Lord with, and I would like her to be able to rise up and present that particular poem. Paul, I need your help, as I usually do now. 2nd Corinthians, it is on the right side of Matthew, on the left side of Matthew. You turn right. <laughs> Thank you, okay. Here I am. 2nd Corinthians, um, chapter 2, verses 14 to 16. There's a little poem that follows after this. Um, this comes from my heart. But thanks be to God, who is in Christ, always lead us in triumphal procession. 
and through us spreads in every place the fragrance that comes from knowing him. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? And the poem is called The Sweetest of Fragrance. Lord, let me be a sweet fragrance to you. My personality is waiting to be molded. My words are pleasing to the air. My smile be pleasing to the recipient. My unembrace is returned with warmth. My prayer is perfume wafting in the air. Let my very essence of existence be sweet fragrance in my daily life. Amen. God bless you. So praise the Lord. God, as Esther has shared there, he says we are a fragrance. We are his fragrance. Fragrance. We are an aroma. We, we smell. We bring forth a nice smell. Whatever it is that we turn ourselves. And the question as we enter into the word of God this afternoon, ask yourself, what sort of fragrance am I? What sort of aroma do I bring forth? How do I, you know, how, how do I relate? Whatever it is that I turn myself, are people happy that I'm around? Is there joy? You know, there's a place where the scripture says, Whereas thou hast been forsaken and hated, I will make thee an eternal excellency and a joy of many generations. Now the question is, ask yourself, am I a joy of my generation? Because Jesus is on the inside of me. As a sent one of God, am I a joy to my generation? Ask yourself that. Am I a joy to my family? Am I a joy in my church? Am I a joy wherever it is that God has placed me? Because he says, whereas you have been hated in times past, he says he's turning the tables and he will make you to be an excellency and a joy of many generations. He is fitting you and equipping you for the purpose of you to become a reason for the rejoicing of others, a reason for others to jump up and be glad because you just happened to be around. I want you to look into yourself as I look into myself as we delve into the word of God this moment. Today, the word that came upon my heart is about your voice is a key for the kingdom. Jesus says, and we shall read it later, where he says, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. There are many keys that appertain to the kingdom of God. But today, he really upon my heart, I will share only this one, one of the keys of the kingdom, and that is your voice. Your voice is a key of the kingdom. As a saint one of God, and I want you to look at your voice and start thinking, how is my voice a key to the kingdom, to the kingdom of God? There's a chorus we used to sing when we were young, and it's still, I still sing it even up to now. Maybe you, you know it or you may not know it. If you know it, you can join me. It, the few words, is just in few words, says, we are one in the spirit, we are one in the Lord. Just like our brother Randolph read at the very beginning, 
There's a reason why God has brought us together. And there's a reason why God seeks for us to be knit together with bones that cannot be broken. They should be so tight that nothing, whatever, will break that particular bone between you and me and you and your brother and you and your sister in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The callers used to go like this. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And they'll know we have Christians by our love. By our love. Yes, they'll know we have Christians by our love. Yeah, we are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord, and they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love, yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord, yeah, we are one in the Spirit, we are one. thank you. You have said that the world will know that you have been sent, Jesus, when they see the unity in our midst, when they see the love that emanates from each one of us unto each other for the glory of your name. The world will be drawn unto you. Sinners will come and bow at your feet because of the love that we have for one another. King of all glory, it will draw them unto yourself. Your glory will be released and revealed in the earth when we are one for the glory of your name. So let it be our experience and our testimony in Jesus' name. Let us turn the word of God. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13 to 19. The word of God says in Matthew chapter 16 verse 13 to 19, he says the following. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they say, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. Praise God. The keys of the kingdom. What is a key? And look, as when you think of what a key is, we all know what the key is and the purpose of the key. Now Jesus comes and uses that same, same thing that we know all of us. And he says, I give unto you the keys. Of the kingdom. 
He has handed them over. It's like he has removed them from himself and he has handed them over to you. That you have the keys. Meaning you can unlock this kingdom or you can lock it. Or you can refuse to do anything about it and just keep on hanging the keys by your side. People seeing the key hanging on you, the keys hanging on your side, they wonder what are those keys all about? That man or that woman loves walking around with keys dangling down his side, but he never uses them. They are meaningless to that particular person. And this is the challenge that God is giving unto us uh, as his sent ones. He has handed these keys across unto us. But one question, the first question is, do you know what key has been given unto you? Because the keys have been released unto the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I, we are part and parcel of that particular body. But the keys have been released unto the body. Meaning, every section, every member of the body has an aspect of the key. None of the members of the body misses an aspect, one or a key. At least each person has at least one key to be able to use in the kingdom. Because the Bible says, the whole body of Jesus grows by what every member supplies. What you supply means my growth. What I supply means your growth. If I don't use my key, it means I have been given a key to open a certain section, a certain store of the kingdom, which will allow a certain provision to flow out of the kingdom for your sake, as much as it is for my sake, so that the body may grow and be strong as it is required and expected to be. And my beloved one that said, the challenge then comes unto us, unto me and unto yourself. Am I using my key? Or, or let us turn it around. Do I even know my key? When I'm moving up and down, I don't have a clue of what key I have been given. What am I doing? Ask yourself, what am I doing in the body of the Lord Jesus? Or what is my part in this kingdom as a saint? And am I just to say I'm in the kingdom of God and that is the, the, the end of it? Or I'm waiting to go into heaven and that is the end of it? The Bible says the kingdom of God is right here. It is within us, he says. And he says out of us will flow rivers of living waters. So come back again to the words of Jesus. Behold, I give unto you the keys of the kingdom. And I, as, I, as I told you, when I was meditating on, the world, on this body of word, that's what came to my spirit. And these words dropped in my spirit, and I'll pass them across to you. The words were, prepare Prepare, prepare. It came three times. It's, it was like a command. I could hear the words. It's like I was seeing the words before my, before my eyes. Prepare, prepare, prepare. And then the word came. That is, and that, the word is found, if you want to find it, is in First Corinthians chapter 2, one verse 9. He said, prepare, prepare, prepare. And I wondered what, and then the word came. For eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Nor has it entered into the heart of man what I have in store for those ones who love me. He has in store stuff that for those ones who love him. Now ask yourself, do I love God? Because he's saying, prepare, prepare, prepare. He said three times, those words came across to my spirit three times. And I want you to ask yourself, Oh, okay, he has said, prepare, prepare, prepare. If it was, I've received those words as mine. But I believe he was passing those words to his body and you are part of his body. He says, in this time, he is out to do a quick 
work for the glory of his name in bringing about that which he has hidden in store for you. But realize he says he has in store for those ones who love him. That store has to be opened for the glory of God so that whatever is inside may come out. He will not open them himself. He says, I have given the keys of the kingdom to my children. It is upon them to open that door or not to open. The choice is theirs. Because he does not need what he already has. He has it for you and he has it for me. It is us to reach out and to be able to tap in into it and to receive it. Now, the one of the keys that he unveiled unto me was the key, he said, the voice. is. In fact, this one actually dropped into my spirit this morning. He said, here is the key. The, your voice, your voice, your voice is a key. And that's what I'm going to be able to pass across unto us. And this one came to me right from Genesis. If you go to the book of Genesis, you can read in your own time. Genesis from chapter 1. You can read the whole chapter. But if you can go through up to verse 26. There, are, there is eight times of something relating to the voice of God coming, coming forth in that particular chapter. That is in verse 3, in verse 3, in verse 6, in verse 9, verse 11, verse 14, verse 20, verse 24, and verse 26. The word of God comes forth over and over and over. He says, then God said, then God said, then God said. He didn't say it in silence. When he spoke, the word came forth in a powerful voice into the earth. Now I want you to notice what happens. Before God says anything, or because before anything happens, before the kingdom is manifested, an aspect of the kingdom is manifested, the word of God says, the earth was void. The earth was without form. The word the earth was in a total chaos. And he says, darkness, darkness covers, covers the face of the whole deep. The whole universe, if we may put it that way, it was all of it covered in darkness. It was in the grip of darkness. In darkness, you find chaos. In darkness, you find confusion. In darkness, you find anything that is undesirable. In darkness, you find the manifestation of evil in its entirety. But the word of God says, over this darkness, the spirit of God was hovering. It's like he was watching, looking and looking at it, looking at that particular darkness, moving round and round and round. Then a moment came, and I want you to realize what happened. When he opened his mouth, and he began by these words, let there be light. The voice came forth. When the voice entered into the darkness, the darkness started taking, legging off. Straight away, the darkness started running, heckless, ketra. You know, left, center, right, it could not find a place to hide. For light entered into the arena. And suddenly darkness disappeared. And as darkness disappeared, he said, he looked around and he said, it was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is good. This is good. I am glad I spoke. Then he decided, ah, then again, he comes again in verse, in, verse, in verse 6. He comes again. Then God said, then God said, every time he spoke, a certain aspect of chaos was rearranged completely and brought into order. 
He spoke again, a certain aspect was rearranged, vegetations appeared, animals appeared, everything appeared. There was the separation of the sky and the, and the earth. The earth has appeared and finally he said, then God said, let us make man. You know, he didn't just, he didn't, he didn't only think about it. He didn't decide quietly, I will make it without anybody. He said, let us make man. The release of that particular voice again entered into the earth. And he comes in to make man, as he says, in his own image. Praise God. Amen. I, want you to, I, I, I hope you're getting the point. The main point is, until his voice came forth, nothing was happening. The spirit was there. The spirit was there, quiet, watching. But when the father spoke, then the spirit moved into action. Straight away, the voice brought about a powerful change. Do you have a voice? Amen. Ask your neighbor, do you have a voice? I want you to ask you to, to look into your own spirit and ask yourself about that particular voice that you have. Quickly, if you were, if you were to jump across even to, uh, to, to Abraham. When you go to Abraham, if you go to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, from verse 1 to verse 16, you will read some certain interesting words. Abraham all along he had been called Abraham, 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 Abraham. It's even singular, in singular. But in chapter 17, from verse 1 to verse 16, the tide changes. God comes in and tells him, you are no longer going to be called Abraham. You will be called Abraham, a father of nations. Now the strange thing is this. Even for Sarai, because she used to be called Sarai before she became Sarah. He said, even also Sarah's name, I'm changing it. She's no longer be, going to be called Sarai. She will be called, she will be called Sarah or Sarah. Now, interesting thing is, all along it had always been Abraham in, in that singular. Suddenly, he starts being called Abraham. Now, the strange bit of it is, imagine he is a, he is a guy who doesn't have any children as such. And suddenly people are starting to call him, they hear Sarah, Sarah calling him, Father of nations, Father of nations, whatever it is, whatever he was when he was in the field, she's out at home, Father of nations, where are you, Father of nations? Well, I wonder if that woman is crazy. Can you, can you imagine she's calling that man who is childless? She's calling him, she's calling him Father of nations. And then to their surprise, they hear Abraham answering back from the field. Yes, Sarah, darling, the mother of nations. Oh, how are you? They wonder, these couple, they, are, they have gone nuts. In, in, in their old age, something has knocked into their, in their, something has knocked into their heads. But they were in agreement with what God was doing and what God was effecting. Praise God. They were effecting a key of the kingdom. They started calling themselves, I'm a father of nations. And Sarah, Sarah is calling and said, I'm a mother of nations. Long before that particular dream was realized. I don't know what dream you have, my brother or my sister. And I don't know what you've been speaking about yourself. I don't know what you've been speaking about your church, Hope Community Church. I don't know what you've been speaking about your future or about, about your fellowship. I don't know what you've been saying in the discussion that you've been discussing. But I want you to re remember one thing. Your voice is the key to the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Nothing is going to happen unless you speak it right 
for the glory of God. Unless you allow that voice to come forth in the way the Father has desired you to be. It's as if it doesn't stop there. Look at even the Holy Spirit himself. When Mary is about to receive Jesus Christ, everything comes contrary to nature. He again appears on the scene. And when he appears on the scene, for the saint ones, things don't happen the natural way. Praise God. Don't always expect things to happen in the way you've always been expecting them. I want you to stand and expect it's going to be different for me because I'm a child of the kingdom for the glory of God in the highest. Before Jesus comes to be, the Holy Spirit comes to say something or the, through the angel. He says something that is unheard of. He says, oh, no, blessed are you if you go to Luke, Luke chapter 1 and verse 26 to 35. He speaks to Mary and he tells Mary, blessed are you amongst women. Praise the Lord. And then Mary wonders, Aye, what, sort of a, what sort of greeting is this? And on and on he says, for you're going to be with, you are going, the power of the highest is going to come upon you and you are going to be conceived. And that one which is born of you shall be called the Son of God. Again, the voice comes forth. When the voice is released, it does something that nature has never heard of. A virgin conceiving. There's been no man involved. And yet, her stomach starts to bulge. A miracle has happened. There's a child on the inside by the power of the voice. There's a dream that is in your heart. There's a ministry that is in your hands. There's a gifting that God has laid upon your hands, my beloved brother, my beloved sister. But you've been sitting on it always saying, I can do nothing. Who am I? What can I accomplish? He says, speak, speak, speak the word. And that is prepare, prepare, prepare. Regardless of what I may say, regardless of what anybody else may say, I want you to remember one thing. It's a saying that I heard somewhere. They said, I think we have said it over and over again. Men and women always use methods. We always try to establish things that have always been done this way. So we start with, okay, we will do it the way it has always been done. That does not happen in the field of the spirit. The field of the spirit is totally different from the way that we do, we do things in the natural. So men and women use methods. They try to establish, you know, precedence. Oh, it has always been like this, so we shall follow that way. Not with God. The word of God, the, you know, with God, he says, God uses men and women. He does not use any method. Think about it. Look at Jesus. When he goes to heal the blind, if we were to follow a method, one day he comes to one, he tells him, receive your sight. And the guy, poof, the eyes are seeing and he goes away walking. The next time he comes to a blind man, he does not tell him, receive your sight. He decides to go spit on the ground, make some mud, apply it on his eyes, and he still doesn't tell him to, to open your eyes and see. He tells him, go to the pool or slum, go and wash there. And when the, the man wonders, what on earth is this man telling me, go wash in the pool of slum? So he goes uh, obediently, he goes, but the moment water touches his eyes, poof, the eyes open. Why did he tell him, your eyes be open? How come he changed and used a different method? As if that is not enough. To another one he comes. He finds him is blind. He touches his eye. And asks him, can you see anything? He touches him again. Can you see anything? Until the guy's eyes 
become clear and he's able to see clearly. Initially he says, I'm seeing men walking like trees. Then suddenly he touches him again. He asks him, can you see anything? He says, oh yeah, now I can see clearly. I can see them walking properly. Why? Because the ways of God are not our ways. Do not stick into one particular way saying that it has to be this way. My brother, my sister, you will be left behind. Arise and let us move with the Spirit of God in the name of Jesus Christ. And it is in that mouth of yours. That's why the Bible says the word of faith is near you. Even in your very mouth. The word of faith that saves you. The word of faith that releases the power of God that is in you. The word of faith that releases the gifting of God that is on the inside of you. The word of faith that releases the deliverance that you've been longing for in your family in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 11, Jesus tells us something very interesting one. And you know it, Matthew chapter 6 verse 11 to 13. It is the Lord's prayer. Where he declares with our Father who art in heaven. He tells them, in this way pray. It is concerning the kingdom. But strange enough, he does not tell them you will do ABCD so that you may see the kingdom come. No, he tells them, speak out and the kingdom will be made manifest. He tells, you know, declare to the Father, Father, let your kingdom come. Now realize he's, he's not saying, you go to the Father and say, please Father, please, I beg you, I beg you, oh God, oh God, let your kingdom come. No. Interesting enough, if you look at the words of Jesus, they are commands. Have you ever commanded God? Yet that's what he's telling you. He tells you in this way, pray. Go there, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. He's not pleading. He is commanding, I'm asking Father, this to be done, this to be done, this to be done. It is for your glory. In the name of Jesus Christ. Sometimes you may shrink and say, Ay, that might be blasphemy. No, it's not blasphemy. The Father has given all authority into your hands. In the name of Jesus Christ. That's what he says. Father has given me authority and I've given you the authority. In Jesus' name he says, well, speak the word. When you bind another tongue, it is bound in heaven. When you lose, it is loose. So when you tell Father, Father, I command, let your kingdom come. In the name of Jesus Christ. It is not you who is saying that. It is the spirit on the inside of you which is commanding because he does not speak in pleas. He speaks in commands yes. for the glory of his name. Look right throughout the whole scripture. There's nowhere where he comes and says, please, 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 my children, do this. No. He commands, I want ABCD. Let there be. Let there be. Let this be done. That's exactly the way the Father talks. And that's what he's looking for in you and in me in the name of Jesus. I don't know how your prayer life has been as you go before the throne of grace. How do you pray? Do you go there shedding tears and crying and crying and crying, pleading, oh, Father, please, 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 please do this. And nothing is happening. Why? Because he says the answer is in your voice. We have struggled many times in so many, so many things that we've been struggling with. And we wonder why are things not working? Many times we sit back and we cry quietly because we go before God and say, Oh, Father, let this devil go away from me. Let this particular devil not disturb me. Let this let the devil not come and disturb me this night. No. Tell devil, you're not coming to disturb me tonight. I am the child of the Most High God. And the blood of Jesus is speaking in my behalf. Scrub off in Jesus' name. 
he will run away. I remember I, I, read, I read a story somewhere I laughed. This man of God, he, he, he was at the bus stop, and the woman came there with a dog. The, the dog was following her, and the woman behind. And when she, she reached the bus stop, she kept on telling me, please, please, go back home, go back home. The dog was hearing nothing of it. The dog would wag its tail and feel so happy and come next to, to its face. The, but the bus, the bus, then the bus appeared. The bus was coming. The woman realized, Holy, what am I going to do? This dog is not going home. I can't go with it where I'm going. But the dog is so happy. It is next to its, its mistress. It is so happy that dancing there and wagging the tail. He looked at, please go home. Go home. The bus is coming. Go. It, 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 it goes round about her. Then when she got the bus, it's almost on the same. She turned and the face changed. She's told it, go home. The dog suddenly, what? what? It turned. The, the, leg, the leg went into its behind, behind feet and the dog was gone right back into its home. Why? The voice changed. Amen. Amen. That and the man of God shouted and said, you understand, he was sitting, he was standing there doing nothing. He looked at his saying, he shouted out, he said, that is how you deal with the devil. Amen. Praise God. I hope you are hearing my words. That is how you heal you deal. That is how that is how you deal with the devil. Don't plead with Satan or with demons or whatever. Never, never, never. Again I say, never plead with the evil one. Praise God. Amen. Shall we all declare our Father who art in heaven? Yes. You remember? Yes. Some of you have had wounds from, from last Sunday. But I want you to declare our Father who art in heaven. He promised he will heal us and he will restore us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So shall we go, our Father? One, two, three. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Can you once again declare that particular prayer now over your family, over your children, over whatever? I want to use your voice, and I don't want you to speak with boldness. Our Father who art in heaven, let there be an urgency in your chest. You know, not just our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. No, 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 no. Our Father who art in heaven, I want you to speak from your heart, from the very depths of your heart, hallowed be your name in my house. In my household, in my wife, in my children, in my husband, whatever it is that concerns you, I want you to pray for the next few moments. It is this, this afternoon, I want it to be sort of like a workshop, a, a quick small workshop as we go through these particular sessions, as we use our voice in Jesus' name. Shall we go one, two, three? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name in my family, in my children, in my wife, in everything, oh God, that concerns me. Your kingdom come, oh blessed Father. Your 
your will be done in me and my wife and our children and everything concerns me. Lord God, as it is in heaven, give unto me and unto my household this day our daily bread. Forgive us, O God, our trespasses. Father, King of glory, as we forgive those who trespass against us, we release them, we forgive them tonight, this afternoon, in the name of Jesus. And Lord God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 7. Verse 7 to 12. The word of God. <clears throat> Always remember, we've been studying the aspect of the saint ones. And I want you to realize something about the saint ones. They were, they were something similar to all of them across the board. And we, will we are touching it right now. The Holy Ghost says in Matthew chapter 7, chapter 11 and verse 7, right through to verse 12, he says the following, As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed. Those who wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Surely I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Then verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Another version says, the kingdom of heaven advances by force, and the forceful or forceful men and women lay hold of it. That's what another version says. So one says the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. The other one says the kingdom of God advances forcefully. It does not advance just... No, 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 no. no. It breaks gates. It breaks doors open so that it may advance. Yes. I want you briefly consider even some of the saint ones that we have been looking at. We've looked at people like Abraham. We've looked at people like Moses. We've looked at people like is it Jeremiah or Isaiah. Each one of these beloved ones, Peter and every other individual that we have touched, each one of them, if you look at their lives, they were not sissy men or sissy women. They were violent men. Violent women of God in the name of Jesus Christ. They came on the scene with force. They spoke whatever they had with force and with that particular urgency in their hearts. Their prayers were not simple prayers. They shouted out aloud, declaring the kingdom, declaring what it is they had been sent to be able to accomplish. My beloved one. 
The word of God is calling you to arise. And it says, arise and shine. For long you have been under a bushel. You've been under the bed for too long. But it will take violence to kick off that particular covering that has been covering you and decide no man, no woman is going to decide my destiny. Because God has already penned out the destiny for me. As our brother read in Psalms 139. The days that were fashioned for me, they were already written in your books. My plan has already been set out. I am not going to follow man. I am not going to follow woman. I am following the Holy Ghost who has penned out my, my destiny and my plan in the name of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. And I will speak it boldly. That's what he's looking for you. To be able to speak it out boldly for the glory of his name. The kingdom suffers violence. But brother, there are giftings. There are anointings. There are ministries. There is a move, a gift, in the provision of God that is planning to come your way. But unless you arise and become violent, start demanding, Father, this is what you have promised. I command it comes forth to me in the name of Jesus. I command it comes forth to me in the name of Jesus. I bind whatever is binding it. Don't hold back. Some, some of us, we are afraid. We say, no, we are not to bind the devil. Jesus Christ has said, I have given you the keys of the kingdom. He will not bind the devil for you. Don't go telling God, bind Satan. He will not. Because he has bestowed that power, he has delegated that authority to you in the name of Jesus. What is happening in the church? Unless you arise as a child of God and get hold of the old twisting serpent, tear it into pieces and tell it, you are not touching the church of God in the name of Jesus Christ and declare that there is victory for the glory of God. If you will not do that, God will do nothing about it. He has given the keys of the kingdom into your hands. You arise and you say, oh, thou foul spirit of bitterness. You will not have a part in Hope Community Church. I arise as the child of God. I tear you up in pieces in the name of Jesus. It is your voice that is speaking. Amen. You don't do it physically. The voice does the work. I love Jesus. He has not told us to go and jump and down and to go to, 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 to try to, to, to get a panga or get a matchet and go and try to cut it. No, 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 no. He has told us, just speak the word. Just speak the word. Just speak the word. And the word will do it in the name of Jesus Christ. This word, when it is written here, is dead. Do you hear me? This word, when it is written here on the pages, it is dead. It doesn't serve any purpose. But when you put it in your mouth yes. and you start speaking it, it becomes life. Yes. It becomes alive. That's why Jesus says, the word I speak is spirit and in truth. It is spirit and it is truth. This word, as long as you leave it on the page, people take it and put it under their pillow so that they can, they can they say, I will sleep safely when the Bible is under the lie of the devil. The devil will come and whack you with that particular Bible under your, under your head. It is the word that is in your mouth that saves you. That word of faith. As you peel it out of the pages and declare, The Lord, I will love you, my Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock 
and he's my fortress. He is my deliverer. My God, my strength in him, I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Amen. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Amen. As you declare those words and you speak that Psalms 18 out unto the Lord, suddenly the spirit arises. Satan takes legs off. He runs off because he knows the sword has been drawn. Right. Amen. Amen. It is no longer in its sheath. It is not in its particular hiding place. No. You must pull out the sword. And when you pull out the sword, it is in your mouth. Wow. Yes. Yeah. That you speak it out. Child of God, don't sit on your giftings. If you feel I'm called to preach, start working it out in your house. Oh, yeah, gift of preaching. I call you forth in Jesus' name. I will preach to the nations. I will preach to the heathen. I will tell them about Jesus in Jesus' name. In due time, in due time, you are going to discover a door. A door is going to open and you'll be surprised. I'm supposed to preach. Then you start trembling. Oh no, what am I going to say? I have never preached before. No, don't be afraid. Arise and do what the Spirit of God is calling you unto in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us quickly look at Psalms 24. It's a scripture that we know, but I want just to touch it briefly and then. Psalms 24. We have said it over and over and over. Amen. Psalms 24 and verse 7. You are, remember, the saint one. And the saint one must know the path he or she takes. If you don't, there is no method you are going to use. If your method is the method of the spirit, Learning to hear what the Spirit is saying and opening your mouth to allow the Spirit to speak it out in Jesus' name. He says in Psalms 24, verse 7, he declares and says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, O ye ancient doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift up you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. You know what? Here, David is the one who is declaring those words. He's not waiting for an angel to declare those words. He is taking it upon himself to speak out those particular words. And my brother and my sister, your provision is being held behind the gates. Your finances are being held behind the gates. Our promotions and our finances are being held behind the gates. Our breakthroughs are being held behind the gates. There is so much for us that is being held behind the gates. We feel under depression because our joy and our laughter is being held behind the gates. We can't be able to access it. So we are continually mourning and we are sad. We are biding in sickness because our healing is being held behind the gates. Our deliverance is held behind the gates. And yet we are sons of the kingdom. And he says, behold, I give unto you the keys of the kingdom. Amen. And one of the keys is your voice. Speak unto the gates. I want you from today, speak unto the gates. 
Many times I arise and I declare this. Lift up your hands, O ye gates. Be lifted up, ye everlasting door, ye ancient doors. And the King of glory shall come in. That I put in Jesus is Lord. Who is this King of glory? Jesus is Lord. The Lord strong and mighty. Jesus is Lord. The Lord mighty in battle. Jesus is Lord. Lift up your hands, O ye gates, and lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Jesus is Lord. Who is this King of glory? Jesus is Lord. The Lord of hosts. Jesus is Lord. He's the King of glory. Jesus is Lord. You know why? He says at the mention of that name, every knee shall bow. And every tongue confess. Yes. Where at the mention, at the mention, what am I saying? At the mention, your voice has to speak out that name. Mm. Your voice has to declare that name. Mm. Your voice has to speak the power of that name. Don't think it inside here. Shout it out. Jesus is Lord. Declare, oh, lift up your hands, all ye gates of, of diseases and illnesses and oppression and depression and tyranny and wickedness in my house. I command, lift them up, all ye ancient doors, and the King of glory shall come in. I've had enough of you. I can't hold you anymore on this side of the defense. Lift up your hands, all ye gates, and start banging on those particular gates. Over and over. Regardless of whatever it is that has been holding you back. Bang those gates as you speak. I command lift up your head. Lift up your head. Lift up your head so you get. Is it depression? Depression. Lift up your head. Lift up your head. Lift up your head. Oh, you depression. And the king of glory shall come in. There's a powerful weapon you have there. Remember I heard somebody say somewhere. God is not calling you to be what you are not. He is calling you to be what you already are. Amen. Praise God. He's not calling you to be what you are not. I had another sister sharing somewhere. He's not calling you to be what you are not. He is calling you to be what you already are. Because he already sees you as a finished product. Don't let any man come and put you down. A woman put you down. Telling you you are not. Because already God has declared you are. And so arise and declare, I am. Praise God. In Jesus' name. Let us quickly draw to a close. I can't be able to finish the whole message. Let us quickly draw to a close. I will touch this one thing. If you look at Psalms 45, Psalms 45 and verse 1, the Word of God has an interesting statement there that he speaks, Psalms 45 and verse 1. Hear what he says. He says, my heart is overflowing with a good theme. My heart is overflowing with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Praise God. Praise God. I want you to go to ask the Father. Father, that's one of some things I ask God. Make my tongue to be the pen of a ready writer. Against all the declarations of the devil 
in the name of Jesus Christ. That means any negative declaration that has been written or said about me, my tongue is a pen of a ready writer. And he says, my heart is overflowing with a, with a good theme. The plans that God has got for me, the plans that God has for his church, the plans that God has for your family, the plan that God has for your children. Your children have not been called to be wicked. They have not been called to be wandering up, up and down in the world. They may be there now, but my heart is overflowing with a good theme. The plans that God has for me and for my children and for my future in the name of Jesus Christ. And he says, he has made, he goes on, and he, I recite my composition concerning the king. His name is Jesus. I will recite my composition. He says, I am restored. He says, I am redeemed. He says, I am healed. He says, I am delivered. He says, I am filled with joy. I will recite my composition about the king. My brother, my sister, you are the saint one. Let your composition go forth into the air and you will see the results manifested in your life, in your family, in your church, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the glory of God in the highest. Sometimes we are so rigid. We love religiosity, religious stuff. We do things in a certain particular order. Let me tell you something. God is a God of variety. Look at the earth. You can see how many plants there are. It tells you he didn't only make one type of plant. He made all different types of plants. Why? He loves variety. And so don't stick into, oh, things are always done this way. No. Wait to hear from the Spirit. That's right. For eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God had in store for those that love him. And this is the last thing that I share. On that Psalms 45, I've told you to, uh, to command our Father who art in heaven. I've told you to use the key of your kingdom, of, of the kingdom, which is your voice. And in every one of these places, it is that key that is uh, uh, operating. I've called you to lift up the head, commanding the gates to lift up whatever your destiny, whatever your plan. Start speaking unto those things. Anything of yours that has been blocked, start speaking to it. Don't speak to it once. Don't speak to it twice. Keep on hammering it out. Don't be discouraged. Keep on declaring it. It's going to happen. In the name of Jesus Christ. And last of all, the weapon of laughter. Some of you have never known laughter. Some of you don't know laughter. I want you to learn to laugh sometimes. Sometimes when I'm in prayer, I break out laughing. I can laugh. I, I, I feel good laughing. Hallelujah. If the laughter is not there, force yourself to laugh anyway. <laughs> saying that there is a weapon of laughter and this is what it is Psalms chapter 16 and verse 11 now I want you to notice something strange about, about our father he says in Psalms chapter 16 verse 11 you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There is no sorrow in the presence of God. When we go there with a long face crying, oh, oh, Father, there is no, you are locked outside the gate because there is no sorrow in his presence. I want you 
start laughing at it. Why? You are laughing because you are seeing the result of what the Father has done. You are seeing yourself in his presence where there is no sickness, where there is no depression, where there is no heartache. That place is the place where he says, he has called us into this kingdom. So arise and start laughing. Ha 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 